You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode number 34. In this segment, our guy Crowley is talking to Sam Weidenharft of the uh, Pelicans, the minor league team from Myrtle Beach. And uh, we're going to find out exactly what is going on on the beach with our minor league Cubs. It's time for our Down on the Farm segment where we head down to Low A, Myrtle Beach to talk with Sam Wiederhoff, the voice of the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. How are you doing today, Sam? Doing great, Crawley. Always a pleasure to uh, join the show and excited to talk some Pels baseball with you. Yeah, man, we were talking. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful day uh, at Wrigley and it looks like it's a beautiful day in uh, Myrtle Beach, huh? Yeah, I mean, early May um, is kind of the best part to be in Myrtle Beach because, you know, it's not too humid yet. Like, you can start to get to June and July and you get that really that really hot weather. But about 78 degrees here today, it's going to be like that for the rest of the week. And um, and the Pelicans come home next week uh, for the uh, first – we've been on the road two weeks and we come back home next week. So, just going to be great weather. And, uh, I mean, you can't beat it over here. You, you, you got to be uh, ready to get home, though. You know, like you said, get off the road a little bit and kind of kind of get back to some home cooking, right? Well, I, I mean, yeah, I, so I don't travel with the team. When they go, they, um, you know, they're there and I'm back in Myrtle Beach. So I'm happy to have them back and actually start broadcasting again. And, um, you know, we've only had about seven or eight home games in the first 24 or 25 games. So um, just excited to see these guys again and see the, the leaps they've made um, just early in the season. Well, taking a look right now at the Carolina League South, you got Columbia in first place at 16 and 10, but you guys are right there in second, 14 and 11. You're 1.5 back, and, and you got a little two-game winning streak, six and four in the last 10. So, you know, tell, tell us a little bit about Myrtle Beach and what's been going on since the last time we talked. Well, it's just kind of apparent that early in the season we're just finding ways to, you know, stay above 500 and stay, you know, uh, finding ways to win ball games. Um, I think about Saturday night's game against Columbia. Um, that was a comeback victory, three to two in 11 innings, and Raybosh Garcia has a big single um, in the top of the 11th to give the Pelicans the victory there. And, um, you know, we go and play Charleston on the road, a seven-game series there because there was a doubleheader involved in that series. And traditionally, the past two years, the River Dogs have been the top team in the league um, and one of the top teams in minor league baseball. And, you know, we took five of seven against them. Now, it does look like they've taken a little bit of a step back this year. But, um, you know, still, when you take five of seven against any team in minor league baseball, that's that's pretty impressive. So, uh, yeah, just, just finding ways to win ball games and, um, you know, this young group of, of hitters is starting to really, you know, make some improvements and you can really see it in real time. And then the starting pitching that we've had has uh, been pretty impressive so far um, with the bullpen, you know, making strides as well. Yeah, I did want to talk to you. So you Friday, right? You guys played Friday and that was a start for Jackson Ferris. So he wasn't on the team uh, when you guys uh, first got started, opened up. Uh, Jackson Ferris was uh, the pick right behind Cade Horton. Talk to me about Jackson Ferris. I mean, he went Friday, three innings pitch, no earned runs, right? One walk, no hits, one and seven Ks. So not bad, eh? Uh, you can't have a better debut than what Jackson did on Friday night against the Fireflies, especially the way that Columbia was hitting the ball coming into that game. Um, you know, they had two double-digit run performances coming into it, and then Jackson just shuts it down right out of the gate. Um, strikes out seven of the first 10 batters he faces and just zips the fastball into about 95 miles per hour right in the zone. Has got a great-looking curveball, and has got a really good slider, too. Now, he didn't show it too much in the Columbia game, but just what I've been hearing is that slider also uh, just looks incredible. So talking with our manager, Buddy Bailey, he said that Jackson Ferris is the real deal, and I cannot wait to see him when he gets back to Myrtle Beach. And, um, you know, he's certainly going to be the the guy to watch in this starting pitching staff, that's for sure. And 
I mean, I just haven't seen – you don't see too many 19-year-olds completely skip out on the complex and go right to full-season baseball, but that's exactly what he did. Um, so you can tell the Cubs think of him very highly, and uh, he really showed it in that first start. So we're, we're talking about Jackson Ferris and the guy drafted in front of him, Cade Horton. I mean, you know, four games started, 126 ERA. I mean, just looking like a first-round draft pick. Yeah, you can't say enough about him. Um, he's done exactly what uh, you know what he's expected to do here in Low A, and then some. Um, you know, the strikeout numbers are great, and just no one's catching up to that slider. I mean, he's just missing so many bats with it. And then he's also added this. I mean, his fastball is coming in 97, 98 miles per hour. And uh, that first home game that he started at Pelicans Ballpark, we didn't have the radar gun going, so I couldn't see anything. But our video guy uh, texts me in the middle of the first inning and says. Uh, yeah, Cade's throwing 98 right now. So I was like, okay, that's uh, that's probably going to get, get going to get the job done, and it has so <laughs> far. He's uh, he's got a great mound presence um, and just a great great guy in general. Um, I've I've spent the past couple of weeks kind of getting to know him, and we did a, a big project on him a few weeks ago, and um, it's just ready to show out in the Cubs organization. And um, this is certainly going to be a big year for him. Nice. Now, one guy that the guy that you got going today, Brody McCauley. Tell me a little bit more about Brody. Well, Brody just knows how to pitch. Um, he's an experienced player that uh, was drafted last year out of Wingate University in Division Two. But you look at his Wingate numbers, and the strikeout-to-walk ratio is just absurd. I mean, his senior year numbers, oh, struck out over 100 and only walked like 25 guys. I mean, he is just – he knows where to put the ball in the zone. And, um, you know, he goes up there with confidence. He misses bats. He, attack hit, he attacks hitters um, and just has a great approach. So excited to see what he does on the bump today against the Fireflies. Um, but yeah, he's, he's been a great guy. That last arm in the rotation, typically starting about Saturday or Sunday and, uh, just fills up the zone. I mean, he just knows how to throw strikes, which at this level, you know, a lot of the guys are trying to find that command and it's pretty clear that Brody already has that. Now question you were talking a little bit about, about the bullpen and how it's kind of starting to come together. Two guys that kind of, I've been watching Mariano Santi and Jonathan Okendo. Is there, you know, that, that bullpen is starting to really kind of come into shape a little bit. Yeah, it is. Um, so Kendo is a returning guy that pitched uh, 31, I believe, 31 games for us last year, which was the most out of any pitcher um, on the staff. So he already has experience. And uh, it just came out last night and pitched three scoreless innings against the Fireflies and kept that a 2-2 tie game, uh, which allowed the Pelicans to score that winning run in the, in, in the 11th. But um, just an experienced pitcher. He's got a great fastball, um, a couple of good secondary pitches as well. And then Santi. Now, Santi's uh, struggled his past couple of outings, but when he first started – in single A, he had his curveball working, um, and just everything was going right for him. Didn't allow an earned run in his first three appearances, um, and has kind of taken a step back in his past couple of outings. So just working through some adversity, and it's going to be interesting to see how he, um, you know, bounces back in, in his next outing. But there's a lot of good things to think about with Marino Santi. Um, he's not the biggest guy on the mound, but uh, just you know has a great curveball that I really enjoy watching. A lot of vertical movement on that pitch, and uh, you know it'll be exciting to see uh, how he develops throughout the rest of the year now obviously a name that you and i talked about last time that everybody's going to be watching of, of course is going to be christian hernandez um it seems like he's still kind of trying to it seems like he's doing a little bit better lately but but you know obviously some growing pains down in myrtle beach he so he started off pretty well um the strikeout numbers were uh, just very low, which was good to see and something you don't typically see from a 19-year-old guy starting in full-season baseball. Um, now, recently, those strikeout numbers have ticked up, but he's shown the power. He's got a couple of home runs, drives it gap to gap, uh, makes good contact. And now that, um, 
you know, it's always interesting in, in the beginning of the year because nobody really knows anything about anybody. You know, where everyone's still getting those scouting reports on the pitchers. The pitchers are still getting the scouting reports on the hitters. And now that, you know, there's some information to go off of, now we're going to be seeing how, how does Christian uh, adjust as the season goes on and, um, you know, what kind of adjustments is he going to make to his approach at the plate? Because right now he's, um, you know, striking out a little bit more than I think he wants to. But as the season goes on, it'll be, you know, interesting to see how those strikeout numbers go down and hopefully the contact goes up. You know, it, it's it's funny, Sam, because for a while it seems like the Cubs didn't have much going on in the catching department uh, in the minor leagues. Obviously, we have Miguel Amaya up in Chicago now, but, you know, it, it's been a rough path for him to get there. But it seems like, you know, when I look at the catching position now in the minors, it, it, it seems like they're developing more and more catchers. Uh, you guys got two down there in Moises Ballesteros and uh, Miguel Fabrizio, and those guys look, you know, pretty impressive so far, wouldn't you say? Yeah, Ballesteros looks awesome. I mean, he's hitting over 300 right now. His OPS is over 900, um, four home runs. We knew he had the power coming into this year, but that's just grown immensely and just makes great contact. A lot of good decisions at the plate, um, has a great approach when he comes up. It's hard to get him out, that's for sure. He is finding gaps in the field um, to get on base. Fabrizio, so Fabrizio came in as a catcher originally. He's now playing first base and uh, DHing for the Pelicans right now, but had his first home run last night and uh, has just really, you know, been a solid power hitter at the plate. Miguel Pabon is our other catcher that um, usually it's him and Biaceros that flip off, and uh, Pabon has been awesome as well. I mean, the catching position for the Pelicans has been probably the strongest in the field so far this year. Pabon's hitting over 300. He's gotten on base in all but, I think, one game so far and um, brings a lot of electricity into the clubhouse as well. So Pabon's a fun guy to watch, Biaceros as well. And uh, Fabrizio uh, playing first and DHing has uh, certainly been exciting so far. Now, everybody here in Chicago is hollering. We finally got, um, you know, Mervis up to Chicago, but now everyone wants Christopher Morrell up here. Talk to me about Rafael Morrell, his, his, his brother. I mean, we've talked before. Guys look exactly alike, and they, they both play multiple positions. But, you know, there's just an energy about those, those guys that just seems to be, like, infectious. No, seriously. I mean I- – Raphael is always smiling, just like you see Christopher is. Um, and, I mean, you're right. Morrell is is willing to fit in at any position in the field. I think he's played everything except left field, right field, and first base so far this year, and obviously pitcher and catcher. But um, he's been all over the infield, but he's not afraid to put him in center field. Um, just getting a lot of experience, and which in turn is getting him at-bats at the plate. And he's been pretty solid at the plate so far um, for the Pelicans this year. But, yeah, just a really fun guy to be around. Um I was uh, I was out t- so back when we were at home. Uh, the Pelicans were taking batting practice, and I was out there kind of talking with the guys and just learning a few Spanish phrases because my Spanish is uh, is not great. So trying to learn as much as I can, and uh, decided I'd you know try it out on Morel. And I said something, and he was pretty shocked. He was like, "Okay, okay." He was uh, he was happy that I was giving some Espanol to him. But um, yeah, just a really fun guy to be around, and um, excited to see how he progresses this year. Yeah, you know, just you you got to root for those guys. They're just absolutely just wonderful. Now, one player, Reginald Preciado, um, we talked about with the U Darvish trade and all that stuff. He really seems to be scuffling. What do you see going on there? Well, I, I see a lot different of a player than what he was last year um, in a good way, right? He's not striking out nearly as much as he was his first year with the Pelicans. And that first year was so strange because he gets hurt in June, right when he was kind of starting to figure things out and then comes back to the Pelicans at the end of the year, but just didn't have enough time to get in that routine. Um, 
average doesn't look great right now, but again, he's making contact. And I think you're, you know, as the year goes on, you're going to start seeing some of those, uh, those ground outs turn into hits and uh, you know, he'll start finding places in the field to, to get on base. But the, the big encouraging thing for me with Preciado is he's not striking out nearly as much and he's being a lot more selective um, in Pelicans ballpark. When he, when he hits there, he's had a couple of what would be home runs in other ballparks just not get out um, because you know Pelicans ballpark is such a pitcher's ballpark and they usually hold him in. But um, just a lot more confident this year. I think you know once once May kind of kicks in, he'll he'll start to turn things around. Now, as we talked about, you got you got a game today against Columbia, and then the boys come home for a what two week homestand, Lynchburg and Augusta. So, as you mentioned earlier, you know this is really a fun time to head down to Myrtle Beach. As far as the weather is concerned, and and if people haven't planned their vacations yet, Myrtle Beach is, I mean, obviously just Myrtle Beach on a, on its own is a fun place to go to, you know. And now you got good Cubs baseball there. Uh, what would you say as far as any of these upcoming series that you're really kind of looking forward as a measuring stick for the Myrtle Beach Pelicans? Well, I mean, just certainly looking forward to to watching them again and seeing um, just the amount of progression that's taken place in the past couple of weeks. And I just, you know, like I said earlier looking forward to seeing what adjustments the guys make at the plate now that um, the scouting reports are out, you know, pitchers know how to beat them um, and just, you know, seeing how those hitters kind of adjust now and, and what go, you know, what happens, but we're really getting into the middle of the season now and guys are getting their routines down and starting to figure some things out. So yeah, I mean, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to watch. That's for sure. Two straight home weeks. Um, you know, I think the the power numbers are certainly something that I'm going to be watching for because we, we took on the Augusta Green Jackets um, in our last home series and didn't hit a single home run. And then we go to Charleston and hit 10 home runs. So, you know, what's how's that how's that field going to play? How many balls are going to leave the leave the yard? And, um, you know, are guys going to have enough power to get it out of there? I mean, we obviously I talked about Pelicans ballpark is such a pitcher's friendly ballpark. So, um, you know, we'll see how those how those power num- numbers kind of get skewed. But that'll certainly be something I'm watching. But I mean, like you said, Crawley, it's going to be great weather. Um, two straight weeks of Pelicans baseball and um, a lot of great crowds that we're going to see out there. Yeah. And if people don't know, you got Tuesdays, you got Corona and Modelo tacos and tall boys, another like taco Tuesday, you got Wiener Wednesday, thirsty Thursday with Budweiser. So just always, it seems like there's always something going on around the ballpark in Myrtle beach. And that's, I mean, we do it like Myrtle beach does it, right? There's always something going on in Myrtle beach and there's always something going on at a Pelicans game. Um, so uh, like you said, a lot of a lot of stuff to look forward to, and I mean the crowds love it. The crowds are super energetic. The players love it. I mean they get they certainly feel the energy from the from the home crowd when we play at Pelicans Ballpark. So um, yeah, just a, a super fun environment, and uh, just can't wait for two straight weeks of it. Now t- we were talking off air a little bit. It's just so awesome because I said you know today I'm watch I was watching the Cubs game, and then when the game's over, I can then flip using the MLB app or the Bally's app and watch. Myrtle Beach baseball, but obviously when you guys get on marquee, it's something special. When's the next uh, marquee showing for the Myrtle Beach Pelicans? We have a, our next solo game is, oh gosh, I don't know the exact date, but I know it's that second week of the, of the homestand. Um, So that second week, we do have a road to Wrigley, I believe next Friday, Friday or Saturday. So that'll be, I mean, those, those shows are always super fun to watch and you get to catch up on all the affiliates, but um, a solo marquee game in that next that next week of the homestand. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the exposure is great for the players. You get the fans that, that get to know these guys' names and, um, you know, see how they play every day and kind of get to catch up with everybody. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just being on marquee is the best thing ever. We love it. We love to put our brand out there and 
uh, you know, make sure the Cubs fans know who we are. And yeah, I mean, there's just, there's so many different ways that you get to consume minor league baseball now, which I think is an awesome thing. Well, Sam, I appreciate you jumping on here. We're hoping for a Pelicans win. And, and, and again, everybody's going to be watching, especially with those two young flamethrowers you got down there. there. There's a lot of excitement happening in Myrtle beach and we can't wait to catch it all. A lot of excitement, a lot of great players on the team, and uh, it's just going to be a fun season. Thanks so much for having me on, Crawley. Take care, bud.